1: Welcome back. Wednesday, May 17th, 2023. I am Seth Leibson. We got David Dahl in the producer's chair and the phone number, if you'd like to call in, is 602 508 I can't say exactly why, but for some reason this morning I was arrested by the story of a Republican Congresswoman, Lauren Boebert, and her divorce. It's big news. Again, I can't say exactly why this is big news. She's a relatively powerless, though outspoken, sophomore in Congress. Google returned over two million stories mentioning her divorce this morning, and it's being covered by outlets from the Denver Post to CBS News to the Daily Mail to People magazine. There's no great scandal about infidelity or anything like that in the story. It's just a story of two young people getting divorced with a few anecdotes here and there along the way. Irreconcilable differences is the cited cause. Just about two weeks ago, news broke with far more dirty laundry regarding conservative podcaster Stephen Crowder's divorce. More dirty laundry there, as I say, but far less mainstream media attention, about half of that of Lauren Boebert's. As I say, I can't say why I was arrested by all this this morning, but it relates a bit to some of what I was talking about yesterday and a week ago regarding society, its norms, and its civilizing institutions. There used to be a shame and a quietude about these things, but a lot has changed, and part of what's changed is how ho-hum and blithely we all take these changes. I can't tell if the frog is slowly boiling here, if the frog is rapidly, fiercely boiling, or if the frog is boiled and dead, and we haven't realized it yet. I'm not interested in the salacious or scandalous here, but I am interested in failing civilizing institutions, some of which we are responsible for. I was remarking yesterday, it's a bit difficult, to put it no higher, to speak of recreating better times, like the Morning in America times circa 1984, when the culture of 1984 was so very different then, so much healthier The marriage rate then was about 40 percent higher and the church attendance rate then was about 30 percent higher, which is why televised ads in those days, including in the morning in America, Reagan ad featured churches, priests and marriages. Today, an ad like that would not get to the cutting room floor if it featured those things at all. And yet ads are made about or featuring and lamenting school shootings and rising violence and anxiety generally. And hypersexualized themes. We continue to think, don't we, that we can remove the organs and forces of composition in America as we lament the ongoing growth of societal decomposition in America. We continue to castrate our herds as we bid our geldings be fruitful. Continuing that zoological metaphor here, do we think the frog is fully boiled yet? Try this story. Quoting from the New York Post, The Los Angeles Dodgers baseball franchise announced earlier this month that it was honoring the local chapter of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence with its annual Community Hero Award at a Pride Night to take place next month. The nuns, in quotes, who have names like, well, I can't say the first one, the New York Port, the New York Post prints. That's an interesting thing in and of itself. Another name is um, Sister Porn again, and yeah, Sister Hallelujah. Uh, this 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 nunnery was being awarded for supposedly quote promoting human rights and respect for diversity and spiritual enlightenment close quote. Yeah, you heard it right. The sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Remember when indulgences were a problem? Anyway, the group's motto is, quote, go forth and sin some more. Go forth and sin some more, close quote. Just what you want nuns saying, right? And yet they are being honored and awarded by the Dodgers franchise. The vice president of marketing for the Dodgers in announcing this award said, quote, the Dodgers are thrilled for an unforgettable celebration that shines a spotlight. On the strength and resilience of LG, of the LGBTQ+ plus community. The Dodgers have always championed diversity and inclusion as core values, and we're honored to showcase our dedication to fostering an inclusive environment both on and off the field. Close quote. I don't quite know what to say about all this. I'll start with American institutions, like baseball. It's one of the few professional sports that actually doesn't have a clock or a time limit. One may say baseball is timeless. Well, the Dodgers have proven it's not. What did George Will say about baseball and its import to America? He said some say baseball is only a game, which is to say that the Grand Canyon is only a hole in the ground. Not all institutions are equal. I guess that now has to be true, too, of charity, charities, charitable, orga, rec, charitable recognitions, churches, societies of nuns, marriage, divorce, and diversity and inclusion. If diversity and inclusion now mean the L.A. Dodgers get to honor nuns who teach and preach sinning, mission accomplished. You think the frog isn't boiled yet. But if nunneries and convents of nuns can be honored for bringing back indulgences and promoting sin in the name of diversity and inclusion, what are we to say about other institutions that we thought were timeless? Maybe start with the institution, a family. Maybe start with the institution of America itself. None of these things just seem to matter anymore. It goes back to my thesis of the past several weeks that we just become used to, inured, numb to, apathetic to dramatic, elaborate glacial fictions or non-truths or non-factual truths. The word used to be lies. Yesterday, California Senator Dianne Feinstein, told a reporter he had his facts wrong and saying she had not been in Washington, D.C. or at the U.S. Senate for the last three months. She, in her dementia, was the one who actually had her facts wrong. The reporter was right. She told the reporter, quote, please, you either know or don't know, close quote. Her truth was she had been at work in the Senate in Washington, D.C., and that he didn't know his facts or at least didn't know her truth, which was not the actual truth. That's its own thicket of problems, but greater than that thicket is that none of this will matter to anyone. Nothing will be done. Nobody seems to care just another day in 21st century America. Meantime, yesterday, also at the Senate Banking Committee, Pennsylvania Senator John Fetterman delivered a garrulous and coherent set of statements at the former CEO of Silicon Valley Bank. If he were pulled over by the police and asked the simple question have you had anything to drink he'd have been cuffed and brought to the police station to be booked for impairment he who just last month was encouraging the use of marijuana literally encouraging the use of marijuana sounded like he just came out of anesthesia himself let me play you a little bit of what took place from him yesterday
2: Staggering respect to responsibility that a, that the head of a bank could literally could literally crash our economy. It's astonishing. That's like if you have, I mean, like and and they also realize is that 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 now they have it's in a guaranteed a guaranteed way to be saved by no again by no matter no matter, by, by, by how you know. So it, it's it's you know, isn't it appropriate that they, those kinds of the, this kind of control should be more stricter to prevent this kind of thing from going or should we just go on and start bailing and sailing whoever bank regardless of how how uh, there's uh, their conduct is you know i'll give you an example uh the republicans want to give a, a work requirement for snap you know for uh, 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 a hungry family has to, to have these this kind of penalties or these some kinds of word working uh, required. Shouldn't you have a working requirement after we sell your bank with billions of your bank? Because they seem to be more pretty, uh, and Requirements for works, for hungry people. But not about pr- protecting the, ta- the tax papers you know, that will bail no matter whatever does about a bank to crash it.
1: Work requirements for banks, that's the only thing I got out of that. Gabby Johnson's frontier gibberish in Rockridge would have nothing on this, except we don't live in a Mel Brooks movie, but we act as if we do. And nothing will be done or said, and seemingly this is all just fine. Another day in a 21st century America. But you and I know the truth, it's not just fine. The truth is not and cannot be a or anti or non-factual. When the myths we tell ourselves become our new truths, our daily fare of existence, we become a little dead or at least numb. The word that springs to mind here is apathy. That is such a good word as its root means without feeling or without sensation. Does any word better represent anything I described just now better than that? I suppose if the frog is fully boiled... It just won't jump anymore. I'm Seth 508 six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Dennis Rigger often talks about uh, different classes of warriors and our political battles and. Not everyone can, you know, do what a spokesman can do. Not everyone can do, for example, you know, what he does. There are people who can help, and there are people that can support. Uh, There are people that can help spread the word. Um, And there are people who will be cowed into doing nothing, if not actually working against them. And the liberal left apparatus in this country does a really good job of encouraging doing nothing. It does a really good job of chilling people for speaking up on these hot-button cultural issues, these serious hot-button cultural issues. So when someone does, it's all the more heroic because there is a price to pay. Sometimes it's physical assault. Sometimes it's cancellation. Sometimes it's shunning. Sometimes it's taking in epithets. And I have to tell you, I didn't see this one coming. And I am so proud of and supportive of this person who I didn't see coming for taking on a cultural issue, which is one of the toughest, evidently. Who would have? Th- I didn't see it being, coming as a as, as a tough cultural issue, but it's become one. Um, that you get shunned and put in fear of your life for standing up on behalf of, and that 's this really very admirable young woman named Riley Gaines, Riley Gaines, who was put in fear of her life, has been and was uh, on a university campus. Riley Gaines, who tied with <laughs> tied with Leah Thomas, the uh, University of Pennsylvania swimmer last year and was not given the award it was given to leah thomas and riley Gaines is taking this issue by the horns is testifying to congress is continuing to speak out and has a great op-ed in fox news today i mean she's just not backing down she writes what is a woman and what does it matter It is becoming increasingly difficult to talk about women's rights or even basic biological reality in a common language. While most Americans understand that a woman is an adult human female, radical gender ideologues want to redefine womanhood as a subjective state unrelated to biological sex. This redefinition of once assumed basic facts has serious consequences for equal opportunity, privacy, safety, and freedom of expression. Right now, uh, females are losing athletic, employment, and educational opportunities to biological males. Biological males are gaining access to sororities, domestic violence shelters, locker rooms, women's prisons, and rape crisis centers. And the women and girls who object to these practices are being threatened. They are being coerced and shamed into silence and submission. People who speak the truth about male and female sex differences are being punished and canceled, and accurate data collection regarding public health, crime, education, and economic statuses of women is being compromised by the misuse of basic sex-based terminology. To address these and the myriad of potential future consequences of the redefinition of sex, we are working to advance the Women's Bill of Rights, WBOR. This legislation can provide legal and linguistic clarity, by addressing the meaning of laws that prohibit sex discrimination and helping to preserve single sex spaces that are important for privacy, safety, or equal opportunity. Importantly, this new Women's Bill of Rights does not create or establish new legal rights for women. It simply preserves women as a legal category and makes it clear that terms like women and men must accord with biological sex, not gender identity, and it codifies current case law, which forbids unfair discrimination but allows the law to recognize sex when relevant. The Women's Bill of Rights has already become state law in a few states. Every state should adopt a Women's Bill of Rights or similar protections, and Congress should pass the Women's Bill of Rights to clarify these definitions in federal law. Opponents of the Women's Bill of Rights have misleadingly labeled the bill anti transgender. While this label may make it easier for some people to dismiss the legislation out of hand, it's neither accurate nor honest. The Women's Bill of Rights does nothing to curb the rights of people who identify as transgender, nor does it bar state or the federal states or the federal government from addressing the question of identification in other ways. It simply makes the law recognize the biological and very real differences between the sexes and protects the rights women have been enjoying in America for decades." We believe that every person, regardless of sex, race, religion, sexual orientation, or gender identity, should be treated—we believe that they should all be treated with equal dignity and respect and should have access to the greatest level of opportunity that our country has to offer. However, any intellectually honest person must grant that eroding the definition of women will work against this goal and the hard-won progress that we've made when it comes to women's rights. Women in the United States today have the greatest level of freedom, wealth, and success of any generation in the history of the world. In part, this is in part because America's laws offer women equal protection and prohibit baseless discrimination in employment, education, wages, and other areas. Violence against women is illegal, and our government funds programs specifically geared toward combating it. Some social programs such as women, infants, and children, which is welfare, recognize the unique challenges and vulnerabilities women face as mothers. And women are explicitly exempt from one legal requirement, selective service registration, precisely because our government has recognized that biological sex differences do in fact matter. All of these areas in law where men and women are categorized separately are jeopardized without the Women's Bill of Rights. Women cannot be pushed back. We won't let it happen support the Women's Bill of Rights. God loved this girl, this young woman. God bless her. God bless her. And who would have seen it coming? Who would have seen the need for it to come? I mean, half the language we use in describing this battle would have been inscrutable, not understandable 10 years ago. And anyone who said this would be an issue would be laughed out or laughed out of their room. The level of Novel issues that are foisted upon us by the attack on not only common sense, but the N-word, nature, is hard to grasp. And I think that N-word will become as rarefied as the one that most people think of, nature. By the way... Racial discrimination is a violation of the nature, the capital N, N-word, too. It's just um, something I wanted to point out. If you see an opportunity to support her work or promote the work she's doing and send it around social media, I think she deserves a lot of admiration. It's awfully hard to stand up for something like this, which itself is an amazing thing to say these days. Standing up for women's rights standing up for the definition of women, standing up for the distinction in nature between male and female. Who knew that would be a thing? Who knew that would be a controversy? Who knew it could put your life in danger? Well, we know it now. Welcome back to The Seth Leibson Show. John Dombrowski is the founder and president of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website, and he has his own radio show every Saturday morning right here at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth. How are you, John? Fantastic, Seth. Thank you. Um, You know, it was only a matter of time Mm -hmm. that these defund the police and soft on crime policies were going to have downward pressure on other non-envisioned institutions mm-hmm. who and 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 now it's hitting like a lot of big cities and a lot of big companies right yeah yeah talk to a me about
3: recent it. recent article here uh you know target came out with uh reporting this this week and uh, they talked about some of the challenges they're having with uh, worsening crime hitting their stores mm-hmm. and they talk about um the amount – it's its hard to fathom the, the dollar amount here. It says Target said um, that organized retail crime will fuel $500 million more in stolen and lost merchandise this year mm-hmm. compared with a year ago. That's how much the increase is. Mm-hmm. That's not how much it – That's right. Right? That's so right. It, From
1: $763 million yeah. last year.
3: Yeah. So they're talking now uh, – the Target stores themselves, well over a billion dollars a year – in stolen property, and mm-hmm. they call this shrink or shrinkage, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that affects absolutely affects the bottom line of a company, right? Number one, it also puts people who are working there in the stores at risk. I mean, we just saw this. Uh, what was it, Walgreens uh, last week? They showed the video, or this mm-hmm. week with a, a security guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, confronting, yes, and uh, Whole
1: Foods in San Francisco mm-hmm. closes their flag- their flagship store. I have a story here: seventeen stores left. Or are leaving San Francisco's yeah. Union Square. It's a, it,
3: it's it's really uh, sad when you think about it. I Chicago mean, so had people, it too. I used to love going to San Francisco. No. I would I would no. never go to San Francisco again. This is me personally. I'm not going. I You're, don't care. You know.
1: <laughs> Channel 7 ABC in uh, Los Angeles. Let me give you a headline from June of last year, okay? Mm-hmm. West Hollywood votes to cut sheriff budget, replace four deputies with unarmed security ambassadors. OK, nice. that was a year ago. Yeah. Let me give you the headline. Same network, ABC7 Los Angeles yesterday. West Hollywood Council votes to hire four <laughs> LASD positions in aftermath of high profile crimes. Yeah. 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 How to go from defund the police to refund the police in less than a year. Yeah, it's it's really sad.
3: Uh, you know, the other side of this, too, uh, Seth, is that, like you said, there's closing stores. This is uh, These are stores that provide goods for people in the neighborhood uh, so that they don't have to travel far. Yes. We want convenience, right, in our lives? And we want jobs. Jobs and convenience. And Citadel, we, and Griffin, and
1: Boeing left Chicago yeah. over crime last year.
3: Yeah, and we want safety and uh, for our neighborhoods, and this is not helping. And when you say that uh, in California someone can go steal something that's less than $1,000, yeah. you're not going to— you're not going to do anything about it. Uh, how does a store survive? Uh, and, and so they actually uh, put this into percentages that they believe that it's going to affect the bottom line by 1%. And these stores don't, they're not, it's not as if they're making tremendous amounts. They're not working at a 30, 40, 50% profit margin. No. Uh, we're talking about single digit profit margins here. Yeah. So 1% of their profit is a substantial amount. That means you're right. People are going to lose their job. The target is trying to figure out uh, ways to install protective fixtures and adjusting uh, you know, stores uh, to be able to protect the merchandise. Mm-hmm. Well, basically, what that's going to mean is is they're putting everything behind some type yeah. of protective
1: right. glass. And you have to get someone to come over get to get someone help to come you over. to buy I,
3: a, I really t- think,
1: toilet paper.
3: I think what's going to wind up happening is, is you're going to have these stores are going to be like big um, vending machines. Mm-hmm. You're going to walk in. Mm-hmm. You're going to put your credit card in first. This mm-hmm. is what I would think. Yeah. Put your credit card in. And then start to place your order. And Mm -hmm. if you don't have a credit card, a valid credit card that's approved, you're not going to be able to buy anything in the store. Um, But that's maybe a way that they're going to be able to protect this. They're going to have to come up with something because these are publicly traded companies. Yes. People are going to invest in these companies to try to earn an income, whether it's through a dividend and through some profit, through uh, capital gains. And if these companies can't survive, no one's going to invest in them.
1: I want to. I want to. I want to get a list. Uh, maybe I'll do it for later in the week. But I'm going to get a. I'm going to get a list together of these companies that are pulling their hair out over high crime against their employees and yeah. against their products, yeah. and how much money they gave to defund the police movements over the last three years. That's, that's yeah, I'm going to do true. that. I'm going you know to do that.
3: Here, another thing that coincides yep. with what you said yep. back in 2020 yep. during COVID, just a couple of years ago. Target uh, the price was up uh, to two sixty. Now it's down to one sixty. It's down forty percent. There it is. There's that that two years, two years. Ha- has uh, dropped forty percent in value because of what's happening. So, We're doing it to
1: ourselves, John. Yeah, We're doing it to ourselves. Yeah.
3: yeah. Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of FINRA and and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC and Creative One Securities LLC, are not affiliated. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, brother.
1: Yep. I'm Seth Leipsen, six zero two fifty eighty nine sixty. We'll be right back. Welcome back to our legal scholar, constitutional and elections law expert, Brett Johnson. He, a partner with the Snell & Wilmer Law Firm, SWLaw.com. Their website offices around the country, but based here locally. Brett, welcome back. It's good to have you. Thank you. Thank you, Seth. Glad to be back. We've missed you. Have you been on any, uh, on any good trips or travels or travails you want to tell us about?
4: Yeah, I spent a little time in, uh, in France for a few weeks with uh, my wife and daughter. So it was a good trip, but definitely glad to be back.
1: Glad to have you back. We had to scramble to uh, replace you uh, with, uh, you know, constitutional and legal analysis of things. So we did the uh, Chevron Doctrine last week with um, an attorney uh, in town uh, named Clint Bullock.
4: Oh, yeah, just just some attorney in town named Clint Pollock,
1: yeah. <laughs> someone you know,
4: I know. You know, what I, <laughs> you
1: know what his first name is to me? It's, uh, yes, Honor. to you, yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, uh, someone um, at, a, at a country club in Washington, D.C., uh, was introducing themselves to John Roberts, not knowing who he was, and uh, they asked him what he did, and he said, I'm a lawyer with the federal government. Oh.
4: Oh. Yeah. yeah, and and you know what's sad is the guy, the, the person probably walked away. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly, right. All right. Um, I had this happen. This was funny. I was at a basketball game once uh, with Bill Montgomery when he was county attorney, and we um, we ran into an old, longtime acquaintance of mine. I hadn't seen him forever, and I said, what are, you, "What are you up to these days?" And she said, "Well, I." I'm in the county attorney's office. I'm an attorney with the county attorney's office. I said, oh, well, here's Bill Montgomery. And she said, oh, and what do you do? Uh. (laughs) And he said, I'm the county attorney. (laughs) I even gave her the name. (laughs) (laughs) All right, right, Brett. Not a problem you have. Um, uh, Brett, talk to me about what we're supposed to think about something like the Durham report. It's got political aspects. It's got legal aspects. Durham is a prosecutor. He's a special prosecutor. What was the charge here? What are we to make of it? Not necessarily the merits. You're welcome to speak to them. But as a legal and political, as, a, as kind of a bridge over legal and political waters, what is it and how are we to think of it?
4: Sure. So, so the special prosecutor um, appointed by uh, Trump's attorney general back in the day. So he's been doing this for quite a long time. And it was in regard to. Um, basically the ele- allegations of Russia interference in, um, the 2016 election, right? Yeah. Um, and as part of that, there's, there's two parts of that, and a lot of people forget about it. One was, um, the, the, the steel dozier or dossier, whatever you would say in that word, um, <laughs> that basically, you know, um, showed basically allegations of, of Trump's um, relationship with, um, with, 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 uh, the Russian government. Right. And then vice versa of that was, the um, um basically, the hacking um, of uh, Hillary Clinton's server and whether or not Russia was involved in that, as well as uh, the hacking of the DNC. So there's a lot that was going on that Durham had um, basically jurisdiction over to review. As part of that, you know both those investigations, they triggered um, high level investigations from the FBI into the circumstances and the allegations. And what Durham's last report really was, was an investigation of the FBI as to whether or not they should have dedicated that many resources and what was the, the real root cause of, of such a high-profile investigation. Okay. So that's the most recent report. But Durham's been around for for quite a while, uh, brought several um, you know criminal prosecutions against individuals. So this was just the wrap-up of the investigation.
1: And... What is – I mean, are we going to see more of this kind of thing? Because it's it's kind of – at least to conservatives, they say, okay, well, we got 300 and some odd pages of this report, but to no real effect of any kind, it seems like.
4: That's correct. It, it was a basically a report to the Department of Justice and the leadership of the FBI as to how the process worked that led to the investigation and, and basically give some recommendations as to what should occur. The most pivotal thing that came out of the report was that if if this was just given to a a preliminary investigation, which is, you know, you and I call up to the FBI and we give a report, everything goes through a preliminary investigation um, to actually see if there's a threshold, whether there's actually a nugget there to continue or make it a higher level investigation. And in this case, the FBI basically um, did not do that process and went straight to a full-blown investigation, which then gave them access, though, this is important to the FISA court. That's the, um, the, the court that investigates national security issues, mm-hmm. allows wire taps mm-hmm. in a secret setting. Mm-hmm. And it, it, in a preliminary investigation, you don't get that right, but in um, a full-fledged investigation, you do. And so you'd be able to go to the FISA court and get a judge to um, issue, issue search warrants in a secret fashion. So that was a major, major issue, because obviously that's a huge, huge endeavor um, and is rarely, rarely used.
1: Now, this report is turned over to the Department of Justice. And as I understand it... um uh, turned over to the attorney general, and, and then, as I understand it, uh, a House committee, uh, 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 John Durham, is going to testify before a House committee next week on it. Or, a, or a, correct? Uh, 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 yeah. Now, in that, in that testimony, the House can glean and learn things from him that they could then call. Could they not other witnesses? Uh, to themselves, investigate over what he reports, and there could be attachments of legal sanction at that point. Perhaps if they lie to Congress or if something is revealed.
4: Absolutely, I mean that's 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 always the case. Is that the um, you know as the um, article one branch of government, they have the ability to issue their own subpoenas, which are separate from the Department of Justice, right. and they're able to then take action. And of course, the witnesses would be required to attend. But at the end of the day, outside of contempt of Congress or refusing to provide information or anything along those lines, the only thing criminally Congress can really do is is make a referral back to the Department of Justice that some action should be taken.
1: Okay, so it does all go back to Merrick Garland at the end of the day in the first place.
4: Yeah, that's how our constitution is set up. And so, and
1: so now, now when you look at some of, the, shall we call them, I'll call them shenanigans that that uh, to put it no higher that Durham found, why would you not find basic crimes? I've had callers saying, why could you not find basic crimes that seem commonsensical like fraud here? Why could that not be alleged? Uh, yeah, you get the tenor of the question. Yeah. Yeah.
4: No, I do. I do, and I, I want to make sure that people understand. So. Fraud definitely is, is a higher-level type criminal action that really has to deal with materiality and, and encouraging somebody to take an act that they wouldn't otherwise do, right? Mm-hmm. And so usually it's in a financial crime situation. So if you're wrong, the government can definitely do it. But the government has other tools that are quite honestly easier to use in these types of investigations. Um, if for, for this case, it would be a false statement, yeah, right? And yeah. several people yeah. were um uh, indicted by Durham and and brought um brought into court and and many of them were successful in uh, um in getting acquittals right. so there were false statement cases that were brought up as a result mm-hmm um of of the 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 whole investigation um but fraud is is rarely brought in these contexts dealing with investigations again it's a false statement Mm -hmm. um that that is the usually the hook for the government so there
1: may be another shoe next week there may be or what took takes place next week could lead to another shoe i gotcha all right sure thank you brett johnson it's good to have you back sir Thank you very much. You betcha. Um, until next week, thank you. Brett Johnson of the Snell & Wilmer Law Firm, SWLaw.com. I'll be right back. How do you think the uh, administration's handling the economy? Think about uh, the transitory inflation. Transitory, right? Remember that one? Bank failures, stock market volatility, possible recession. Why Refi has an investment in a portfolio that is not tied to any of these things, not the stock market, not the Federal Reserve policies. It's an investment in a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal. If you need your money back at any time, your interest is compounded daily. You're paid monthly, and there are no fees in this secure, collateralized portfolio. Why Refi is based here locally encourage you to stop by their offices. Scottsdale Road in the 101. I have. You won't get a sales pitch. Um, They just love talking about what it is that they do and not going to ask you to sign a thing. They leave the selling up to people like me. And when you meet with them, you'll see why I trust and like them so much. And you can too. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm where you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right. Ten and a quarter percent fixed rate of return. Check them out, investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then com, Or give them a call at 888 YREFI 34. 888 YREFI 34. Be interested to see when Durham testifies before Jim Jordan next week. I think it's next Thursday, week from tomorrow. Uh, when Durham testifies, whether he will be asked, you know, Tough questions. First of all, about why he didn't even interview people like McCabe or John, Andrew McCabe or John Brennan. Why didn't he even interview some of these principal players in this uh, in this uh, in this drama, political drama? And it'll be interesting to see if some of these media types from MSNBC and particularly MSNBC and CNN, who have been whitewashing the Durham report and saying it's a big nothing, it's a big cipher, it's a big zero, it was all hyped by Republicans. It'd be interesting to see if they kind of choke on some of their words or retract some of that and those dismissals. Quite really embarrassing, I should think, for the likes of some of these commentators to say those things before they... Even had a chance to read a report on the Durham report other than a headline in the New York Times, uh, thinking about, you know, how important it was, more importantly, to cover for the Democrats and criticize the, the Republicans, thinking more importantly about how it was to cover their own butts for believing every little thing Adam Schiff and James Comey and his team and the rest of them were saying about Donald Trump and Russia collusion in the 2016 campaign. And then the third interesting thing to look for will be whether the media covers the Durham interview testimony at all. It's already gone from the most papers. It's already gone from most media. In fact, the only coverage it's now getting is people criticizing the media for not giving it the credence that it deserved. I'm Seth Leaps It deserves. I'm Seth Leibs, and We'll be right back.